She's a business mogul. Number one. And wellness expert. How can I help? And now Chantel Ray and her amazing guests are here to guide you on your wellness journey. Time to level up. Welcome to the Waste Away Podcast. Hi guys, welcome to today's episode and I want to introduce you to one of my favorite people, Dr. Donnie, and she talks all about stress and she talks about adrenal stress and one of the questions we get all the time is, if I have adrenal fatigue, if I have adrenal stress, should I be doing intermittent fasting? And that's what we're talking about today. Dr. Donnie, welcome. Thank you so much, Chantel. It's so good to see you. You too. So let's talk a little bit first about what is adrenal fatigue and what is adrenal stress. And are both of those exactly the same thing or do they do they kind of, you know, is one a little bit different? Mm-hmm. Well, and it's such a good question because those terms are used in many different ways. And so it can get very confusing Um, And at the same time, I like to acknowledge that definitely the state of your adrenal function is important to your overall health and certainly to this topic of intermittent fasting. And so just being able to know that the adrenal glands, first of all, they are stress responders. They make the stress hormones, cortisol and adrenaline. They make other hormones too, like DHEA, but the main ones we're paying attention to here is the cortisol and adrenaline. So when we we have a normal stress response, right? Like the alarm goes off and we want our adrenals to respond with cortisol and adrenaline to help us deal with whatever that stress is. But we also want the adrenals to kind of come back to a steady state when the stress passes. Um, Adrenal, what people sometimes call adrenal fatigue, I tend to call it adrenal distress is when the adrenals are not able to kind of come back to this optimal level. So then the cortisol is staying either too high or too low. You see cortisol, we, we tend to think, oh, am I supposed to have zero cortisol? And that's not true. You, we wanna have higher cortisol when we wake up in the morning. It wakes us up, it gives us energy and gradually decreasing through the day. So it's lowest before we go to sleep. That's a normal cortisol curve. And when we're in adrenal distress, it's that the cortisol is either too high at certain times a day or all day, or it's too low at certain times a day. And either one, so whether cortisol is too high or too low at certain times a day would be considered adrenal distress. Um, Whereas some people, when they use the term adrenal fatigue, they might only be referring to when the cortisol is really low, or even when both the cortisol and adrenaline are too low, that would be, you know, named adrenal fatigue. But again, to me, it's more important to say, hey, let's find out what's going on for your body. Let's actually test your cortisol levels and find out. Is it that your cortisol is too high at certain times a day, too low at certain times a day? And we can also test adrenaline. So we know exactly what adrenal distress looks like for your body at this point in time. So let's talk about the rest and digest state, because I think that you know, how you eat and what you eat is is powerful, but also what time you eat is really, really important. And our digestive system takes in and breaks down food. And, you know, as far as your parasympathetic system, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the thin eaters that I interview, they 
all say that they eat, you know, when they eat their bigger meal, it's at night because they feel like when they eat, they feel less stressed, they can focus on the food, they're more mindful, so they don't want the food to weigh them down. So during the day, but they say, hey, I'm having something small, you know, during the day, but my bigger meal is going to be at night. So talk about the parasympathetic state and, and what's happening there as far as your stress levels and digestion. So it's a great question. And so as I was mentioning this, when we have a stress response, and there's really two systems, there's what we call the HPA axis, which is the hypothalamus pituitary, which are in the brain, and they trigger the adrenals to make the cortisol and adrenaline. So that HPA axis is having a stress response going down toward adrenal glands. There's this other stress response system in our nervous system called the autonomic nervous system. And the autonomic nervous system has the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. Now, sympathetic is also adrenaline. That's, a again, that fight or flight response. Parasympathetic, which is what you're mentioning, is this rest and digest. It's the, it's the anti-stress system. So our bodies, it's so cool to think our bodies have a built-in st stress response and actually two systems that help us with stress. But we also have a built-in anti-stress or parasympathetic system. And when the parasympathetic is engaged, that's when our brain and our nervous system is going to signal best to our digestion, to make enzymes, to digest our food, to absorb our nutrients, to move everything through our digestive tract. And so you want to be, to most optimize your digestion, you want to be helping your body to get into a parasympathetic state. So it makes sense what you're saying, like if whatever time of day where you can actually sit and take a few deep breaths and and, you know, take a bite of food and chew it and really enjoy your food. You want, by doing that, you're actually encouraging your body to go into a parasympathetic state so that you're going to digest your food better versus when we eat on the run, right? We're like racing through the day and we're throwing food in our mouth and we don't, we're not even realizing we're eating. It's because we're in such a stressed state. Our nervous system is not really in a best position to be digesting well at that point. And so that's why, so many people who are under chronic stress have a lot of digestive symptoms, you know, um, heartburn, bloating, constipation, diarrhea, cramping, all of that is when we're eating in a stress state, our body's not gonna be able to digest as well. And we're going to end up with more symptoms, including leaky gut, you know, stress, we know that stress and that stress state causes damage to the intestinal cells and the intestinal lining, which is what we call leaky gut. And once leaky gut starts happening where the cells are not as healthy, now the undigested food can leak through the cells and that triggers an immune response. So then you have this inflammatory response to your food. So if people are finding, hey, I'm reacting, I feel worse, everything I eat, it's likely that this kind of storm, you know, this snowball effect of not digesting well, intestinal cells are damaged, you're not getting your nutrients absorbed and you're feeling worse. Yeah, I think that's so good. And one of the things I've had to do is I have to realize for me, during the day, I am 
at my highest stress level. I have so many things going on, and when I start my morning, I go, 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 and I, I've learned for me that I need to have a tasting as late in the day as possible, maybe, you know, one o'clock, maybe two o'clock. And one of the things that I feel like I digest really, really well that I've been doing is like bone broth with, with vegetables in it or a chicken, chicken, a chicken soup that just has vegetables in it. Cause it's that cooked vegetables. It's comforting. It's easier to digest. I'm having like a small amount of it. I did it yesterday and I got that from one of the thin eaters that I had talked to. And, she, you know, I, in my book, I talk about all the different tastings that the thin eaters eat. And, and the one girl, Andrea had said, you know, I love to have cooked vegetables because cooked vegetables are really easy for my body to digest. Mm -hmm. And she's like, while I love kale, She's like raw kale. If I if I saute it with onions, my body can digest it. But if I have raw kale, too much of it, and my body is not able to digest that, especially during the middle of the day. And so it's been one of my go-tos is that, Absolutely. you know, the, that chicken broth with the vegetables. It's easy to digest. You know, soup you can't eat, but so fast anyway. So it's allowing you to slow down. So, what are some different tricks or hacks like that that you've seen people do to really help calm down their nervous system, let us be able to digest their food, things like that? Well, amazingly, there's there's this nerve called the vagal nerve. And the vagal nerve is actually the longest nerve in our bodies. And it, it connects our nervous system and our digestion. And one of the cool things about the vagal nerve that we know now is that it goes both ways. So it's coming from the brain to the digestion and from the digestion back to the nervous system. So it's like a two-way highway. And what we want to do is we want to support that vagal nerve. We want to give the vagal nerve signals to support digestion, it's involved in this parasympathetic nervous system. And then we also want to have a healthy digestion so that it's going to signal correctly back or optimally back to our brain. So it's, it's, um, well, that's one really nice way to think about it. And so if you think about what are ways that we can support that vagal nerve and parasympathetic nervous system, one of my favorites to start with, because so many people, you know, like you're saying, we're racing through the day. And of course, we're breathing because our bodies breathe on their own, but we're probably not taking nice deep breaths. So what you can do is say you sit down in front of the food you're going to eat, then before you even start eating, take a couple nice deep breaths. And this really signals to the vagal nerve and the parasympathetic nervous system. And it starts signaling to your pancreas to release your digestive enzymes, the gallbladder to release bile. So you're you can just imagine all these signals coming down. So you just by sitting and taking a couple deep breaths before you start, you know, eating. And I love what you're kind of alluding to, which is to each time you take a bite of food, whether even if it's soup, to take one bite and then set down your utensil, whether it's a fork or spoon or chopsticks or whatever, <laughs> set it down and really chew your food, or unless it's soup that you don't need to chew, 
but really intentionally swallow and enjoy the taste because now it becomes more of a mindfulness activity, which is also supportive to the parasympathetic nervous system. And what happens is it means that your meal might take a little longer, but that's actually also better because it gives more time for your digestive enzymes to work. And it means that you're also likely to match up better with all your fullness signals, right? So you want it takes a while for our stomach to then signal to our nervous system that we even ate. Because otherwise, if you eat fast, you might end up feeling like, oh, I need to eat more because it just seems that way. But if you slow down and you set your utensil down between each bite, now you're you're really, you're sort of syncing up with your nervous system in a way where you're gonna promote the signals that you want and you're gonna feel full, you know, maybe even with a, a smaller quantity of food, which is going to be better for your body. Hey guys, I really want you to join our intermittent fasting and OMAD Facebook group. We're doing tons of giveaways right now for posting your before and after pictures. And just for posting a question in there, we're giving away free protein shakes, some digest aid, all kinds of fun stuff. So please join our intermittent fasting and OMAD Facebook group. The link is in the show notes. That's so good. And this is an area that I like to be very transparent with people and tell people out of everything I tell people to do in my book, there is one thing that I'm terrible at and do not do well at. And so, and that is eating slow and putting my fork down between bites. And I'm so much better. I mean, it's just unbelievable how much better I am, but I'm still not great at that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things I have to remind myself is not only do I need to slow down, but of deciding when I'm going to eat or not eat. Because like you said, if you think about it, digestion is not essential if, if, for example, let's say we we had a lion chasing us, right? Obviously, we would be in, you know, massive stress, right? Like our body would be like, oh my gosh, I've got to run from this lion. Well, guess what? When we're in that much full tilt stress response, then our digestion completely shuts down. And that would make sense if God created us. If we had a lion chasing us, why would we need digestive enzymes right then, right? Like the body doesn't need digestive enzymes to like kick in in full force, right? Because we shouldn't be eating right now. We should be running for our lives, right? And and I have to remind myself of that, that this, if I'm in massive stress, that is the worst time ever to eat. And I see people all the time that even... Let's say they they ate four cookies, like when I'm coaching someone and they're like, well, I accidentally ate four cookies in all one sitting. And I remind them that when you're judging yourself for overeating instead of forgiving yourself, you're actually activating your fight or flight response yeah. and shifting into a stress zone. Can you talk about that at all? Oh, I think it's such a good point. You know, I think we to be able to really come at this with self-compassion 
and self-acceptance and look at it at all as a learning opportunity. You know, be curious about your body and be curious about how it responds and also be curious about your behaviors. So if you find, oh, I ate this or I ate more than I intended or I ate something I really didn't want to be eating, then yeah, definitely the way to break that pattern is to just take a deep breath and go, okay, what can I learn from this? At least now you can learn. How did you feel after you ate, say, the four cookies? How does your digestion feel? How does your mood feel? Because if you really connect with that experience in that moment, then it's more likely to shift your behavior in the future because you're going to now kind of be more aware of, hey, last time I did that, I felt awful. I don't want to do that again. Let me come up with another strategy to work through this. Maybe next time I'm feeling like I want some cookies, I'm going to, what I tend to suggest is reach for something protein. You know, even if you find your one cookie in or two cookies in, you can go, okay, let me get some protein in here because the protein is going to counterbalance the carbs and it's going to kind of break that cycle right in the moment. And so you can little by little learn from these experiences in order to create change. But it really starts with, like you said, that that being willing to forgive yourself and accept yourself and then move forward from there. Mm, So good. So as far as anything else that we can do, let's go back to just adrenal fatigue. First of all, what kind of tests do you need to do to find out, A, do I have adrenal fatigue? How accurate are those tests? Are they kind of all over the map? Or do you like, nope, these are pretty right on. And then what are some practical tips that people can do to help fix that problem? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, first off, the, the testing is not something that's probably going to happen at the regular doctor's appointment. Um, I mean, they can, the doctor can order a cortisol in the blood work and, but then you're only getting a cortisol at the time you have your blood drawn. And so that's only at one time of day and you don't know what your cortisol is up to the whole rest of the day. And so, um, what you really want is you want the cortisol to be tested at least four different times of the day. So usually it would be when you wake up or in the morning and then say middle of the day, evening and bedtime. So four different times of day. And you don't need to do a blood draw all four times a day. What we usually do is we use a saliva or urine sample. So you can do it at home and you're either spitting in a tube or collecting a urine sample at different times a day. And then there's labs that analyze that and will show you then your cortisol curve. And there's there's a lot of labs that will test cortisol, either urine or saliva. I have a couple favorites because I've just been able to find predictable results with them and pretty accurate, you know, way of looking at it and helping patients. So I have a couple favorite labs, but um, so that might make a difference. Some labs, you get the results back and I look at it and I'm like, well, I'm not sure how to make heads or tails of this. It's a little too vague, but um, there's labs that do a good job of showing you here's what your cortisol is doing. But here's the key is, and this is based on research I did in, in, in my office um, a few years ago. And that is that I also suggest measuring adrenaline levels because adrenaline can be measured in urine also at home. And this way you're not just relying on what's your cortisol up to, 
You can also see what your adrenaline up to. And so you get a more complete picture of what I refer to as your stress type. We want to know for you, because this is individualized based on your genetics, based on your history of stress exposure, your, what your body does under stress is unique. And we want to we want to see that based on your cortisol and your adrenaline levels. And from there, then this is where my protocol comes into play of helping people do their stress recovery, because it can seem like adrenal fatigue is one size fits all. Adrenal fatigue has one answer, but that's not true. It's very individualized. We want to, we need to see exactly what adrenal distress looks like for you? Where exactly are your cortisol and adrenaline levels? And that's going to determine a very unique recovery process for you because we use different herbs and nutrients depending on whether we need to help get the cortisol to come down from being too high, or if we need to get adrenaline to come down from being too high. Or on the other hand, if we need to help cortisol or adrenaline come up from being too low, those are completely different um, supplement protocols. Hey guys, I'd love for you guys to listen to a podcast that we did about the side effects from wine and the differences between natural wine and traditional wine. So go to ChantelRayway.com slash wine and you'll see transcripts, you'll see some different episodes, but here's the thing. You can get your penny bottle now of dry farm wines and make the decision that if you're going to have wine to make sure you have the most natural, healthy wine in the world with no added additives, only natural ingredients. All the other wines out there have so much sulfate, so much sugar. Why put that poison in your body? So get your penny bottle now at ChantelRayWay.com slash wine. So um, I've got a question here from Jenny in Arkansas. She says, I love your podcast, and one of the things that my doctor told me is that I might be suffering from adrenal fatigue. I am currently eating in a six-hour window, but I'm wondering if I should switch to an eight-hour window or even more, because should I actually be doing intermittent fasting if I have adrenal fatigue? I know fasting is so powerful. It's done so many great things for me but how do I balance that with adrenal fatigue? Again, I'm in eating currently in a six hour window and sometimes even four hours. So that's such a good question because it's so important to address the adrenal distress. And at the same time, you know you the benefits of intermittent fasting. And so you're thinking, hey, I wanna be able to get the benefits of intermittent fasting without making the adrenal distress worse or without feeling worse. And so um, the key here, one of the keys is to understand that uh, when we're under stress and we have this adrenal response, it also affects our blood sugar levels. And so sometimes what you might be experiencing is actually blood sugar variations. Um, I'm not sure, you know, I'd be curious if, if you know, what you're noticing. And so you want to look at what are the symptoms you're having related to eating? Like, do you find that when you eat, maybe your blood sugar is going up and then within a couple hours, your blood sugar is taking a dive. And I think that that's, common for a lot of people. And that's because when we're, so to speak, being chased by a lion, even though, you know, it's not really a lion in our modern world, but it's like being chased by a lion. 
our body wants to make this blood sugar available to, for our brain and our muscles to respond. Uh, and so it's if you're in this constant state of, say, high cortisol or even low cortisol, it affects the blood sugar balance. And so what can happen is a lot of people experience where they feel like they have constantly blood sugar that's dipping too low, which might make you feel tired or, or nauseous or headache. And so you want to, that says to me, we need to help your adrenal glands recover because as your cortisol and adrenaline get to more optimal levels again, your blood sugar levels are going to stabilize. So instead of being on this roller coaster, it's going to be uh, a slight increase when you eat and then a little dip and then a slight increase when you eat and a little dip. It's going to be able to manage the blood sugar levels better, which is going to allow you to have shorter eating windows or longer fasting time. And so you want to know that it may you may need to take time to do the adrenal recovery. And as you do, you'll be able to be more successful with your intermittent fasting. Yeah, you know, with my book, it's called One Meal and a Tasting. But I talk about the fact that there are people who may need to do one meal and two tastings mm -hmm. and why that, how that works and who needs to do that. Uh, one of the girls I talked to says that in the winter time, she does one meal and sometimes two tastings, but in the summer, she always does one meal and a tasting. She says in the winter, she's always more stressed. In the summer, she is just, you know, not stressed. She's in the sun. She's at the beach. Her adrenals are working. So that is a really good point that you can have different seasons in your life, right? So just because there's times that you are more stressed doesn't mean that hopefully you're not that stressed all the time. Otherwise, we need to do a deeper dive there, right? Yeah, and it's it's such a good point. You can once you start to have an awareness for this, you can start to really, and it can help to to track your symptoms. You know, kind of track. Hey, um, not only tracking what you're eating and what time, because I'm thinking that you may already be doing that, um, but also track when you're sleeping. What are your sleeping hours, and what are your symptoms? Are there certain times of day that I look at energy levels? Like, how does your energy fluctuate through the day? I look at mood. Like, there are, are there certain times of day where you feel more anxious or irritable or um and then look at your even say digestive symptoms your focus are there times a day where you have better focus or there's times where you feel more foggy so this can help you get a sense of how stressed am i at this moment in time you know whether it's a certain time of year or certain different things going on in your life you can get a quick sense of how am i feeling how's my energy how's my mood how's my sleep how's my focus by looking at that, you get a sense of, hey, if I have more signs of stress, like if I'm feeling more anxious lately, I'm, I'm, I'm waking up from sleep, right? You get these signals that your body is more stressed. Then you know, okay, I might have to shift the, the number of meals or the eating window a little bit based on knowing that my cortisol and adrenaline is a little more variable right now. And then as things settle down and you're like, hey, my energy is great, my mood's great, my focus is great. Okay, now I can you know, go for a shorter eating window and kind of do a little bit, um, you know, I guess, how would you call that a little bit more of a fast um, or a shorter eating window? 
Hey guys, I'm so excited. My new book, One Meal and a Tasting, is out now. And if you order the book on Amazon, just the regular paperback edition, if you go in and make a review, you will get the audio book for free. Send a copy of your receipt to questions at chantalrayway.com and you'll get the audio book right away. Well, that's awesome. Well, you've got an amazing podcast talking all about adrenal fatigue and adrenal stress. So talk about your prod, your podcast and also tell people where they can find you, where they can follow you, and how they can learn more about this topic. Oh, thank you. Um, my podcast is How Humans Heal, and you can find How Humans Heal, the places you would usually look for podcasting on YouTube. And I'd love to, yeah, have you come check it out. I do... Um, interviews myself with um, different practitioners on how they're helping people recover from stress. And you get a lot from me in terms of how I help people with stress. My website is drdonnie.com. So it's, it's uh, you could just do drdoni.com or spelled out d-o-c-t-o-r-d-o-n-i.com. Um, and there you're going to see all kinds of blogs as well as information about my books. Um, there's the stress remedy book and the stress warrior book. And I also have a new book coming out um, in the next year too about really helping people because the thing I get so frustrated when I, I work one-on-one with patients around the world, by the way, I do phone video one-on-one helping. And what I hear from patients all around from all around the world is that they've been going to doctors and even more holistic doctors, and they haven't been able to solve this adrenal distress issue or get their cortisol and, and also neurotransmitters back on track again. And so I feel so passionate about helping to get this information out there that first of all, it's possible. Your adrenal glands can heal. It just takes a systematic approach. And a lot of times it takes some guidance from someone who's been through it and helped people through it so that you can get there more efficiently and successfully. And so that's what drives me is just knowing, you know, I've had to, I've recovered from adrenal distress myself multiple times in my life. And so I had a lot of chances to figure this out from my own body, in addition to the thousands of patients I've helped over 20 years. So it's a way of just saying, hey, this is possible. We can become resilient to stress. And yes, the way we eat and feed our bodies can help prevent health issues. So we want to get the benefit of say intermittent fasting, but we also need to help our bodies recover from stress in order to really get the most out of intermittent fasting. So thank you so much. I'm so glad to be able to share here too. And I did want to ask you one, and and I do want to ask you two last questions. Number one, was there anything that I didn't ask you that you feel like you wanted to share with the listeners? And number two, is there any supplements that you say, you know, if I had to pick my top two things that really kind of help with kind of calming people down, that is a natural method, what would those be for you? Well, and here's the thing is that in my stress recovery protocol, we start with what I what I call getting out of stress mode, right? You can kind of probably based on these symptoms I was just mentioning, you might be like, oh yeah, I'm in stress mode. If you're feeling, you know, pushed to the limit and you're experiencing a lot of symptoms, you just know I'm in stress mode. And so our first step has to be, how do we get out of stress mode? And that involves 
getting the cortisol and adrenaline that might be too high to decrease, but it also involves supporting the calming part of our nervous system because what can happen is when we're constantly under stress, we deplete our neurotransmitters. The neurotransmitters are serotonin, GABA, dopamine. And so really what I end up finding is we need to also test for the neurotransmitter levels and support them if they're too low, like serotonin and GABA, sometimes even before we can do very much adrenal recovery, because if your body has got the gas pedal, but no brake system, it's not going to work out very well, right? We need to, we want to help build up your brake system, get your system calming. And this is what you're saying. How do you calm when you're in this stress mode? And so um, a couple things that you could start with, uh, adrenaline, when our body makes adrenaline, it also breaks down the adrenaline. And the way the body breaks down adrenaline is with magnesium. So if you're not already taking magnesium, that's a really good place to start because most all of us are deficient in magnesium. And there are certain forms of magnesium that are better at keeping the bowels moving, like a mag citrate is to help with constipation. But with this situation, you want magnesium glycinate or threonate because it's going to be helping to metabolize the adrenaline. So if you're feeling that like heart racing, sweating, mind racing, that's likely some high adrenaline and you might benefit from introducing some magnesium glycinate or threonate. And then if you're finding that you're maybe you're having a lot of anxiety and sleep issues, you may need to be supporting your serotonin and GABA. And the thing with these neurotransmitters is that just like everything else in our body, our, we, our bodies can make these neurotransmitters from amino acids. And of course, amino acids come from protein. So this is one of the reasons why having protein in your diet is so important. So you get the amino acids to make neurotransmitters, but we can also use specific neurotransmitters to if say the serotonin is too low, we can use the precursor neurotransmitter of 5-HTP to help raise the serotonin. And so you can, I can actually guide you through a process of using amino acids to re-optimize your neurotransmitter levels, especially the calming neurotransmitters. So now you have enough calming to counterbalance the stimulating that's automatic in our world, right? You, we just want to make sure we have enough calming to balance it. And then from there, we can go through the steps of further addressing the, the say the cortisol and the adrenal glands. There's, there's supplements, um, for example, that you can get 5-HTP, you can get theanine, um, T-H-E-A-N-I-N-E, -E, which is supportive to GABA. You can get actual GABA. Um, these are some of the tools we, we sometimes use. When cortisol is too high, uh, we can use phosphatidylserine. We can use some people like ashwagandha. I tend to find better results with banaba leaf. But you see there's it gets to be very intricate. And this is why, yes, you can you can try some of these on your own to start with, but if you end up finding, oh my gosh, I'm not getting the results I need, that's when it can help to work with someone who can help guide you specifically for your case because it it's possible, but it does take little tweaks and learning from your body. And then we can we can get you out of stress mode and we can also teach you how to stay out of stress mode, even though you're still under stress, right? That's the key. How can we be 
out of, you know, still exposed to stress in our lives, right? Because it's not about, we can't eliminate all stress. We want to have, we want to be working and sharing our passions and being parents and all the things we do. So we're going to have stress. We just need to really get good at supporting our bodies through stress. How do we stay out of stress mode and make sure we include enough stress recovery time and, you know, get our good nutrients from the, from our food and also get enough sleep and exercise so that we're staying out of stress mode and staying in resiliency. Mm, I love that. Well, you guys stay tuned. We have another episode coming up in just a few. Bye-bye for now. Hey guys, thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, it would mean the world to us for you to leave a review on iTunes to get this podcast out to others that may have the same questions that you do. And as always, if you have a question that you want answered, email those to questions at chantelrayway.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.